Good evening, good to see you all here today. If you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, let's turn to the 28th chapter of the book of Acts. Acts, the 28th chapter. Now while you're turning there, we'll begin reading here in a minute. It's important for us to understand that in all of our lives, God has an amazing assignment for each one of us. I know Joe Boy, he's got a, a little sticker on the back of his pickup. He says, God has a purpose for your life or God has a plan for your life. And, and he does. And, and you, you can say it a different way, and that is that we have an assignment on our lives. And with that assignment comes an anointing. And it is anointing that sustains us during the time of this assignment. You know, when we look at the Apostle Paul, and of course when you get in the book of Acts, that's what you nearly know you're going to talk about. We are mindful that this is the same Paul that, that persecuted Christians in the days of the early church. And, and after Paul was converted, he boldly proclaimed Jesus Christ. And what happened? He became the persecuted instead of the persecutee. So he was getting a dose of his own medicine, you might say. But in this life, if each one of us chooses to follow God's assignment, chooses to follow God's call on our life, we know that it's not going to be easy. You know, the reality is there are going to come times in our lives rather than complaining about how bad things are that we have to develop this resolve simply to square our shoulders, look the devil square in the face and tell him it's going to take more than that. You know, these past several months have been a challenge for all of us. And, you know, others have been going through a lot of stuff for some time now. And if we wrote down everything that we go through, we probably could fill up a whole notebook. But here's the thing. You haven't lost your mind yet. You're still here. You could have thrown in the towel by now, but you are still here. Can I tell you something? You're not the only one going through stuff. A lot of times that's what we think. We think bad stuff is only happening to me and everybody else is just fine. But I'm telling you, and just like this COVID thing that we're going through, everybody's going through it, not just one or two. So all of us that are, are doing God's will are going through some stuff. You know, if, if you're going to start preaching the gospel, if you're going to start doing Jesus' work, you better be ready for retaliation because it's going to come. I promise you that it's going to come. So what makes us who we are is our resolve to tell the devil that, hey, I'm not a rookie at this thing. You know, it's going to take more than, than to break, break us than this. It's going to take more to make us walk away than this. It's going to take more to uproot us than this. 
We've been at this thing too long. And, and we have seen God turn situations around. And we believe in our spirit that God is able to sustain us. You know, we have chosen to look to the hills to, for, for, for which comes our help. Knowing our help cometh from the Lord. Trials in this life are inevitable. They're just going to happen. But it's interesting to know when you are out of the will of God, we should expect trials. But you who are in the will of God, these trials should be hard for us. They're hard because we wonder why God has us going through this when uh, 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 you know, we're in His will when we're watching people that we know that are not in His will whose lives just seem hunky-dory, peachy-creamy. Everything is just fine for them. You know, we think because we are doing God's will that God would cut us some slack, that He would give us some kind of reprieve from our trials. But the reason that God takes us through, and I'm talking about those of us who are in His will, is, is because God knows we will keep showing up. God knows, despite what we're going through, we declare in the face of the enemy, it's going to take more than that. Are you in the 28th chapter of Acts? Amen. Look in verse 1. And when they were escaped, then they knew that the island was called Malta. And the barbarous people, or the natives, showed us no little kindness or unusual kindness, for they kindled a fire and received us every one because of the present rain, or it had started to rain, and because of the cold. And when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, they came a viper out of the heat and fastened on his hand. And when the barbarians saw the venomous beast or the venomous creature hang on his hand, they said among themselves, No doubt this man is a murderer whom, though he hath escaped the sea, yet vengeance, which is justice, suffereth or allows not to live. And he shook off the beast into the fire and felt no harm or suffered no harm. Howbeit they looked, except that, except that when he should have swollen or fallen down dead suddenly, but after they had looked a great while and so no harm come to him, they changed their minds and said that he was a God. How quickly we change our minds. Now, let's run to this text this evening. I want to start off by telling you, no matter how things look, God is still with us. In the midst of our storms, in the midst of our troubles, in the midst of our trials, every sort, uh, uh, every kind, we need to be aware that God is still with us and that God is still in control. In our text, we find Paul and others coming out of the midst of a shipwreck. And Paul had, had tried to warn the sailors 
and, and those in charge not to sell because he had had a visit from an angel and that angel told him that there was danger ahead. But you know the rebuff that Paul got? They told Paul, you're just a tent maker. We're the sailors. Look, Mr. Paul, not a cloud in the sky. The waters are calm. So they set sail, and what happened? Now they found themselves in a shipwreck. 276 of them on board. Those who had made it to shore were wet. They were miserable. Look in verse 2. It says, And the natives showed us unusual kindness, for they kindled the fire and made us all welcome because of the rain that was falling and because of the cold. The natives of this island quickly gathered at the shore to offer assistance to these passengers of the ship as they made their way to shore. You know, I, I can imagine these natives probably were going out in, in the sea and, and helping people. You know, they're, they're, some of them were probably exhausted from swimming. And, and probably uh, some of them might not have could have swam. And, and others of them were clinging to pieces of the ship and trying to make it to, to shore. And, and you know, notice in our text that it says they built a large fire to warm the, the, the shivering uh, 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 passengers because probably the, the, in the crew because the water was cold. And to top that off, it had started raining. So they were all cold. And perhaps Paul thought to himself, you know, the first thing I could see Paul saying was, I told you so. I tried to tell y'all and you wouldn't listen to me, but he didn't. But I'm sure maybe Paul thought to himself, good grief, things can't get any worse. Well, you know what usually happens when you say things can't get worse? They usually start on a downhill slope and continue. And I imagine that that's how how Job felt. You know, the Bible says that Job was perfect, that he was upright man in the sight of God. But we know that Sabians killed some of Job's servants and took some of his 7,000 sheep and 300 camels and 500 yoke of oxen and 500 mules. The Bible tells us that fire came down uh, from heaven and killed the rest of his sheep. And the Chaldeans and their bands took the rest of the camels. And just when Job thought it can't get any worse, the Bible tells us that seven of his sons and three of his daughters were in the oldest uh, 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 son's house and a high wind blew and blew down the house and killed all of them. Now to make matters worse, Job's own health begins to fail. But through all of that, he remained faithful. I can just hear Job saying, it's going to take more than that. End of the story. His life story. God restored and gave him double for his trouble. So here in the text, we, Paul, we see Paul thinking 
It can't get any worse than this. Paul reminds us that he himself was often in perils. The Bible tells us that he was beaten 39 times. You know, he says he went through what he went through so we could see how to go through a trial. We go through trials so that others can see how we handle going through trials so when they get there, they can do it. What I'm trying to tell you is this, ladies and gentlemen, warfare is involved in your witness. You, you have to recognize that warfare is real. It is very real. Sometimes you have to fight for your blessing. Anyone that's been married over 25 years know that you have to really fight for your marriage during particular seasons. So many divorces around us. Why? Because we don't understand spiritual warfare. Have any of y'all seen the, the, the movie War Room? Yes. You seen the movie War Room? You see that Satan is not here. The devil is not here to play patty cakes with us. He is here to destroy our witness. And, you know, and here's the thing. Here, here's what he does. Out of all the weapons that the devil throws at you, or all the things that he throws at you, the only real weapon that the devil has is the weapon of discouragement. You see, he, he can't take away from you what God promised you. He can't cause you to walk away. But what he can do is discourage you so much that he makes you throw your hands up and surrender. But we have to see our problems as opportunities in disguise. Real quick, turn to Isaiah the 54th chapter, verse 17. Isaiah 54, 17. Isaiah 54, verse 17. Amen? Fifty-four, seventeen. No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper, and every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment thy shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. You see, brothers and sisters, it's going to take more than that. And that's what we're talking about today. Satan wants, wants us to lose focus on our assignment, and what he wants us to focus on is his assault. Paul recognized that all of us grow weary. You know, we grow weary by giving to people who don't give back. We grow weary by loving people that don't love us back. The devil knows nothing more than to have you whining and having a pity party and not doing what God told you to do. Make a shift. Stop thinking about what you're going through and do what God told you to do and put a smile on your face the whole time that you are in the middle of adversity. Now, I'm going to footnote here for just a brief moment. Can I tell you before this shipwreck that had more 
than 270 people on it, the winds began to blow very strong. And here this ship was about to sink. So you have to back up in Acts and you can find it. But the text tells us that they began to throw some things overboard. They thought by lightening the load, they would have an easier time. That maybe the ship wouldn't sink. Well, what they thought they needed to carry to the next destination, they threw overboard. What, what they were carrying to the next port, they got rid of. Sometimes, listen to me now, sometimes God will send storms into our lives to help us get rid of some stuff. Sometimes God will send storms into our lives to help us understand we have been carrying around too much unnecessary stuff. Sometimes God will send storms into our lives to help us throw stuff overboard to lighten the load before He helps us get to our next destination. Some bad relationships, throw it overboard. Sometimes circles of friends, we have to throw it overboard. Some hurts and some pain, throw it overboard. So God can help you get to your next destination. To their credit, the inhabitants of this island built this big fire to help warm the refugees from this shipwreck. Listen to me now, church. Listen to me now. Did you get that? They built a big fire to warm people. Church, when the lost are led to the Lord and they come walking through that front door of the church, we had better have a fire burning or they will die from exposure standing right here in these pews. You think about that. You say, well now preacher, how are we going to build a big old fire and not burn the church down? Folks, I'm talking about we had better have the fire of the Holy Spirit burning in us. Alright, I'll quit meddling and I'll go back to preaching. Look in verse 3. But when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. Did you get that all around? He went out there and apparently he was gathering wood for the fire and he gathered up more than just wood, didn't he? Or that's the way I interpret what was said there. Apparently this piper was laying dormant there among the sticks and it came to life as Paul started placing this wood on the fire and it fastened itself to his hand or to his arm somewhere. But here's what I want you to notice about this. I want you to notice Paul's reaction. Roy, what would you do if you had a snake hanging on your hand? <laughs> you would go somewhat ballistic. Look in verse 5. 
It says that, but he, Paul, shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. You notice Paul did not in a moment of, of panic fling this stake. from himself because he didn't want it to come off of him and get on somebody else. He was concerned about the people around him. And I, I wish I had more time to stay on that point this evening, but I don't. I've got to move on. You know, Paul didn't react in a panic. He didn't fling this snake off of him because he was concerned for those around there. It says he shook the snake into the fire. I remember my grandma telling me misery loves company. You know, when we're not happy about a situation, we want everybody else to be unhappy about what's going on. You know, we act ugly. And we really don't realize the effect it has on those around us. Have, have you ever seen somebody that... that, that gets a bug on them or a spider on them, my daughter would jump through the ceiling of this building if I threw a spider on her. But have you ever seen somebody get a spider on them and they start dancing around and trying to get the spider off and they're not worried if I flip it over there on her or over there on somebody else because they're going crazy and then the next thing everybody's jumping around because they're afraid of the spider and oh my goodness gracious that spider's going to come off of her land on me and I'm going to get bit. Somebody do something quick. Oh my. Oh my. I want to draw your attention to something. Notice what it is that attacks Paul. Notice it says it's a viper. It's a serpent. It, it's, it's a snake. It is common in Christianity to see a snake as a symbol of Satan. You remember the Garden of Eden? You remember it was that serpent that came up there and, 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 and talked to Adam and Eve and talked them into disobedience? Now here's Paul. There's nobody in the world at this particular point that is more passionate, more effective at spreading the gospel of salvation than Paul was. What happens? He was attacked. Where? From the pits of the fire. The serpent leaves the fiery pit to attack Paul. Do you think that Satan still attacks God's messengers today? Yes, he does. And what does the spectators do when they see this snake hanging from Paul's arms? They expect him to drop dead. You know, the impression that I get from this is that Paul hardly even flinches when he gets this snake on his arm. He doesn't freak out. He doesn't panic. Paul simply shakes it off. Here he is with the snake biting his arm, just hanging there. 
And he simply shakes it off into the fire. Paul knows beyond the shadow of a doubt that God is on his side. This attack is of no major proportion to him. It's just kind of a minor inconvenience as far as he's concerned. Frankly, whether this is actually Satan himself or just a snake, it makes no difference. He has the assurance of the Lord. So when he's attacked from the pits of the pyre, Paul just shakes it off. In several places in the Bible, it depicts Satan as a snake or a, a serpent. And you know, what, what do snakes do? Some snakes, they bite you and, and you can die from the poison. And then you've got that big old long creature thing. What is it? A boa constrictor that wraps himself around you and starts squeezing you until you can't breathe, until you can't praise, you can't worship, you can't witness, and you can't cry for help. The Apostle Paul was not someone who was going to sit silently by while the devil squeezed the witness and the worship and the praise and the prayer out of him. Paul was a militant for Jesus Christ. Nothing was going to get in his way. And yes, it got the attention of the devil. Can I tell you, it wasn't Paul who was trembling, although Paul was the one that had to shake the snake off. It was the devil who was shaking. And what does these natives do? They had them a nice little theological explanation for everything that was going on for what happened to Paul. Notice they said, well, this guy, he has survived the shipwreck and he has survived. He didn't drown in the sea getting to the island. Now he's bitten by a venomous snake. Surely God does not want him to live. Undoubtedly, he's a murderer. That's what they're thinking. The Bible says it. The Bible says they looked. And they looked. And they kept on looking. Waiting for Him to swell. And they looked. And they looked. Waiting for Him to fall dead. And they looked some more. And nothing happens. Nothing happens to Him. And I'm, you know... And when that does, these same people that thought he was a murderer now come to the conclusion that Paul must be a god. That's quite a change of mind in just a little short period of time. You know, they thought Paul must have been this horrible criminal to have been bitten by the snake. So what do we make from this incident? What do we get from this? I want to tell you, just like those people were watching that snake and watching Paul waiting for him to die, there are people that are waiting for the church to die. Some think that they have counted us out. Some think the church is dying or dead. 
They, they have seen the serpent attach itself to the church. Some are still looking and still looking and still looking. I just stopped by to let you know that it's going to take more than that. It's going to take more. No weapon formed against us shall prosper. We read that in Isaiah. It's going to take more than that. Yeah, some people get their feelings hurt and they walk away from church. But it's going to take more than that. Some said the church could not survive. It's going to take more than that, folks. Some said that, that, that you know, there's probably people that drive by here and just shake their head going, that bunch of idiots in there. They're wasting their time. I'm here to tell you it's going to take more than that. Some may think you need to leave this church and go join another church. It's going to take more than that. Because what did Jesus say? Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Why? Because it's going to take more than that. Let's pray. Lord, we thank You for another day and the blessings of it, Father. We just thank You, Father, for all the blessings that You give us, all the good things that You bring to us, Father. And we ask You now to just bless us once again to watch over us and care for us, Father. Just protect us. Help us face the challenges each day. And they're coming. We know it. They're coming. Father, right now, we're, we're in this time of drought. We, we ask you to send rain, Father. We desperately need. Father, just go with us from this place. Just watch over us and care for us. Father, guide us and direct us. Forgive us where we fail you and bring us back at the next appointed time. Father, just watch over this church family. Watch over all the churches. All the church families, Father. All the pastors. And Father, I just lift up our government officials. I I ask that you give them wisdom in this very challenging time, this very challenging season that we're in. Father, all the folks that we have on our prayer list, just we pray for them and we ask that the need that they have will be met. Father, just watch over us and care for us. In your Son's name we pray. Amen.